It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornchain. Well, everybody, welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornchain. I'm a senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here in Colorado Springs. I'm thrilled that you're tuning in today. We are continuing in our study of angels, angelic beings. Now, if you missed last week, you can go to our website at calvaryfountain.com, and there you can pick up last week's broadcast and more. Our entire archive of all of the prior broadcasts of Engage in Truth are there for you. Please share them with your friends and family. As we started last week, this is probably a part one of three that we started last week, was our study of angels. And in that study, we talked about angels and demons. And so we looked at both of those. And so we are really continuing in this vein of thought of all of the different angelic creatures, beings. I don't call them creatures, but they are at times, some are called for living creatures. And so we want to speak on this with great reverence and respect. Uh, Obviously, we're talking about the throne room of God here, and we're talking about the messengers that he sends out. And so we want to do this with uh, great respect. So today we're going to pick up in that vein of thought. Now, before we get into today's broadcast, let us just put our eyes back to Jesus and and implore him uh, in a posture of prayer for the nation of Israel for just a moment. Uh, my heart is heavy uh, for the state of Israel, and I know my my co-host here on Engage in Truth, Dr. Steve Ford, he's also burdened for the state of Israel. This week has just been filled with one trial and tribulation after another as many rockets continue to pour in to the nation of Israel. So uh, our hearts are heavy for them. Let me just open in prayer, and then we'll get into our study, and Dr. Ford will help us examine here the this topic of angelic beings. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to use the medium of radio Uh, to bring you praise, to talk about the things of your holy word. And we ask, Lord, that you please bless our study today together as we examine these many texts about these wonderful beings that you have created to serve and to serve yourself and to bring glory to your holy name. And Father, before we get into that subject, I do ask that you would please uh, pour out your protection and covering upon the people of Israel. Let there be peace to, to flow through this uh, very difficult time in the midst of this darkness, let light prevail. I pray, Father, that you would suppress those who have come against this nation and these who are just lobbing rockets in and just taking life after life. Lord, would you please uh, fight for her as you always have. Please protect Israel and, and bring peace in the midst of this situation. Our hearts are heavy, and we ask, Lord, you please guide us in how to pray, and would you please continue to do your mighty work, and in the midst of what appears to be chaotic times, Lord, we know you have a plan even in this, and we give you the glory and praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So to help us uh, as we now turn our attention to the subject of angelic beings, uh, my dear friend here in the studio with me, Dr. Steve Ford. Dr. Ford, welcome back to Engage in Truth. Thank you, John, and thank you for that beautiful prayer, beautiful and timely. Mm-hmm. And all I can say is amen. Thank you so much. And definitely uh, the people of Israel are on our hearts and uh, in our minds, and we'll be praying for them throughout the day today for God's right. divine protection and provision for them. A little bit of a recap uh, at the end of the last program, and this has just been absolutely amazing. I know so many people have been blessed by listening to this study. We had talked that there there are types of angels that we call fallen angels, demons. We know in Ephesians six twelve that Paul says that we battle against rulers and authorities in the spiritual mm-hmm. realm. 
Right. So that suggests a hierarchy of some kind. Are there, is there a hierarchy within the angelic ranks? Are there higher ranks of angels than others? Oh, a great question. Yes. We, since we just covered even in brief, this subject about these amazing beings that God has made, these angels and then the fallen angels and the third of them that rebelled against God. And right. I, frankly, I just can't imagine such a thing. I, right? I mean, being in the presence of, of God and, and Satan's deceit, his uh, the, these words of deception that he used with them, whatever he used to entice them, they fall to that. They, they choose the lie over that which is truth, and the dragon sweeps his tail and takes a third of them with him. And, and we see these, these, these battles now that ensue. And as you mentioned there in Ephesians 6, we see that in Daniel as well. And we'll talk some of that throughout our study. We'll cover some of those details. But let's talk about then the, the ranks that you've mentioned. There, there are what appear to be some ranks within the angelic beings. Uh, in today's program, what I'd like to be able to do is explore even the subject of now archangels, as well as some cherubs and the seraphs and, and other beings that are there in, in the Lord's presence and, and how they serve him. Uh, for example, let's just look at archangels for just a moment. Uh, the holy angels, as they're often called, or archangels, they do fall into a special class. Uh, certain ones are even named, like Michael, the archangel. Uh, it's possible that he is maybe the chief of these archangels, uh, and his name means who is like unto God. And we see that in Daniel chapter 10, verse 21, chapter 12, 1, 1 Thessalonians 4, Jude 1, and Revelation 12. So his name's covered quite a few times there. There's another servant of the Lord that's given a name, and he also may be one of the archangels, Gabriel. That's a name that's often come up, and his name means hero of God. And he was entrusted with an important message to deliver to Daniel in Daniel chapter 8 and 9, to Zechariah in Luke 1, and to Mary. In Luke 1, 26 to 38. So most holy angels are not named in the Bible, but are described only as elect angels in 1 Timothy 5, 21. Now, the word, as we see, archangel, that only appears in two verses of the Bible. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we see in Jude 9, there's only one chapter of Jude, so Jude 1, 9, if you want to put a chapter to that, (laughs) uh, but it says here, but even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him, but said, the Lord rebuke you. So the word archangel comes from the Greek word meaning chief angel. Okay, that would imply that there is a rank uh, within the angelic world there. And Jude 9 uh, it talks about the archangel Michael. Now, uh, Daniel 10, 13 describes Michael as one of the chief princesses. Okay, that would imply that there's there's more of them. Right. Um, now, I find it interesting, you know, I don't try to cite too many extra biblical sources, but the book of Enoch is very interesting to say the least, maybe as a historical document. Sure. We've talked about that as one of the texts found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, all those Dead Sea texts that were discovered, and in, not in a, com- in a complete text, right. though. And, and it's questionable whether we could even, you know, uh, cite some of the things in it. I mean, it's not inspired, historical, very interesting to right. say the least. Could it be a word from the prophet Enoch? We don't know. But in it, it, it highlights seven of these holy angels. 
They're all even given names like flame of God, friend of God, who is like God, the presence of God. I mean, wonderful reverential names that are all about God, not about themselves at all. Their names always deflect from themselves to the glory of God. Now, if it's if this is accurate, and here this book cites seven of them, could these also be the seven angels who were before the throne of God in Revelation chapter 1, verse 20? And they could even be the ones that are assigned to blow the trumpets in Revelation 8 to 11. Very possible. Have any seven trumpets, and maybe these are the seven archangels right. who blow them, that, right? So that might be a duty of theirs. Uh, and, and just to give me one one final thought here, let's just interject this. I do see that there seems to be some animosity uh, from Satan toward the archangels, especially Michael. Right. Now, for those of you who follow Hollywood, and we know that Satan uh, loves to be worshipped through Hollywood. And we talked about the Hollywood staffs there in Egypt and nothing new under the sun and the the illusions of things, and that's what Hollywood puts out. I remember a few years back when there was a John Travolta movie called right. Michael, right. and it was a mockumentary, it right? Was. It just yep. mocked the archangel Michael. And it, you could tell it had it's Satan's fingerprints all over it to try to, to give this image of this out-of-shape, uh, just an insulting uh, image of the Archangel Michael. I don't know how to use any words there that are complimentary at all. I mean, right. it really was a, a debauchery of yeah, a film. Like a hit piece. Yeah, yeah. and, and uh, you could just tell that Satan just has this anger toward Michael. It may be Michael who's the one who confronted Satan and, and perhaps is the one who even cast him out of heaven. It may be he who's called to chain him back up then, as we see, to throw him right. back into the to the abyss and and to bound him up bind him up for a thousand years in which he'll be released then thereafter to deceive once again and then send into the lake of fire forever. Uh, so there's a lot there but it, that's just it in brief a little bit about archangels and there are many others. So I, I but without a, me jumping right into it I know you've right. got some question <laughs> for me to that probably but then we can look at seraphs next. Well as we uh, as we talked about Michael isn't. Michael's supposed to be a protector of the nation of Israel, as we talked about Israel today. That's right. Yes. Yeah, he seems to have that duty there. And I I mean, there are um, images of angels, even in some of the judgments. You remember when David took a census, the angels standing over uh, the the land there. I mean, very interesting. They're not always named. Uh, and I know before the program, we even talked about some of the uses of the word angel. Sometimes it's capitalized. Sometimes it's lowercase. Right. So what is that? I think right. if you don't mind, I'll just jump into that oh, that'd be great. because it, it does seem fitting here that as we talk about archangels, would the capital A represent this perhaps a chief angel or is there something else being alluded to there alluded when we talk about the angel of the Lord? Now, I just, uh, without spending too much time on that subject, I will tell you that what we do see is that when we take it for its root word, the malachim, malach, um, that's messenger. And sometimes the messenger is the Lord himself. Right. Right. So it doesn't have to be this angelic created being to bring the message. Sometimes it's a Christophany where the Lord himself brings that message and it's written in a way in our English text that appears to be an angel or an archangel, when in fact it is simply a capital A for, maybe you just switch it out with a capital M, 
Right. You know, the Malachim. This is the messenger of God who's come to bring you a message. Maybe even the commander of the Lord's army himself, which was the Lord, as right. he as he led with Joshua and the people of Israel around Jericho. So it's not always an angel as we would think of an angel in that sense. So uh, we'll pro- probably spend a whole show on that one, I suspect. Yeah, I think that definitely adds some clarity. And as we discussed, you know, in those situations, sometimes you see that the angel of the Lord accepts worship. Right. So, you know, who yeah, in Scripture God's accepts not worship? worship. <laughs> right. and you see that, that they're very careful of that in the book of Revelation as well. Yeah. Do not do right. that. Yeah. Don't worship <laughs> right. me. Because you see John in, in his immediate uh, getting overwhelmed right, by what right, he's seeing. Right, exactly. He tries to fall down and worship the messengers. Like, no, no, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we talked about it uh, last week, too, and you and I didn't get to mention it on the air, but there does seem to be this angelic form of hello, which is do not be afraid. Right. <laughs> do not fear. <laughs> and then everybody's immediately fearful. Fearful, right, right? <laughs> because they are overwhelming. They're yeah. they're awestruck by what they see, and rightfully so. Yeah, definitely. Especially if they're in the presence of an archangel. I not to say that they're any more brilliant than the other, but we we do see some attention there to the the ranks yeah. uh, within the angelic. Yeah, there realm. definitely seems to be something there. Yeah, you had mentioned as well that there are seven different types of angelic beings. Right. What other types are mentioned in the Bible? Yeah. Well, let's look now to the seraphs. Uh, because a lot of times these all get blurred together, and, and and we allow the Hallmark card to dominate our train of thought of what an, an, an angel really is. And yet we see so many of these amazing, beautiful creatures that God has made, uh, beings that serve him, and angelic hosts of heaven. And let's just look then to for a moment here to Isaiah chapter 6, and you can look to verses 2 to 4 for a moment, but it's captured verses 1 to 7. But in 2 to 4 we read, Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces, and with two, they covered their feet, and with two, they were flying, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. So here you have these six-winged, beautiful creatures of God that he has made who worship him continually, and their name seraph means burn with fire. So any type of imagery you might find online, if it's done well, it may appear as though they're fully bronzed or, or some sort of a, a brass look to them with six wings and talk about a total reverential posture. So with these six wings, they only use two of them to fly. The other two are in this reverence before God that they're covering their faces and their feet in his holy presence. And and, and these become agents of purification. Uh, You see in verse 7, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. It's like taking that holy coal to the lips, right? And it seems to indicate that they're like the caretakers of the altar of heaven, right. which after all, everything that was done on earth was an image of what was already being done in heaven, right. right? So he was training the people of Israel by way of the tabernacle to create a, a, a shadow, a, an image of what was actually already in heaven. Even their version of the ark, there was another ark already in right. heaven. And so they were emulating this through their obedience and their acts of service as commanded by God. Leviticus 6, 12 to 13 says, And the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it, shall be kept burning. It shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering 
in order on it, and he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. A fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. So just as there was a caretaker of the altar on earth, there had to be caretakers that were assigned. And I believe that's what the seraphs do. They're the caretakers of the altar of fire before the presence of God. What What a responsibility that they have. And so these caretakers are beautiful and reverential in their posture. But there are more. Right. There, there are others. <laughs> yeah, the seraphs burn and never go out. That's right. You know? That's right. What about cherubs? What can you tell us about cherubs? Yeah, that, that's the next subject I think is perfectly fitting in this. I wish I had an image to share with everybody here on the radio, but hopefully you can uh, go and research some of this at your leisure. Uh, but if you would see an ear- image of a cherub, it's anything but what the Hallmark card portrays. I keep beating up Hallmark, I know. <laughs> uh, but it, they're not the little uh, fat, little chubby cherub that, that sits in our in our lawn right. w- with uh, some kind of little bow and arrow. <laughs> Um, in fact, that that's uh, disrespectful, really, yeah. when you when you hear what we're about to talk about. But in Genesis chapter three, verse twenty four, we see that the cherubim are first mentioned there. It says, "After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword, flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life." Okay, so th- these are not um, th- these are warriors. I mean, right. there's anything but. The reverential posture we should be, we uh, should be before God as they are in a reverential posture that these are the warriors of God and they serve him and we should be respectful uh, of what we see here because the tabernacle and the temple along with their articles contain many representations of these cherubim. In fact, cherubs were on the top of the ark. It was specifically cited there of Exodus chapter 25 in Exodus 26, chapter 31, 38, 1 Kings 6, the, the list goes on and on. Now, cherubs have four wings, though. So the seraphs have six. The cherubs have four. And we see that in Ezekiel chapter 10. God told Moses to put two cherubs on the top of the ark, and their wings would be outstretched above the mercy seat in Exodus 25, 18 to 21. So if you've ever seen the Indiana Jones movies and you see these angels on the top with only two wings, that's incorrect. That's incorrect. They had four wings. So sorry, Indiana Jones, you got the wrong (laughs) ark, okay? Um, And we see that in Jeremiah that actually the ark will never be remembered again, nor another one created. So whatever is in Aksum, Ethiopia, whatever the the interest is out there, or the theory that the ark is somehow underneath the Temple Mount right now, there may be a clone presented at some time, sure. a, a lie, a deception, right. maybe. Uh, but Jeremiah specifically says that another one won't be made wow. a, and it won't be remembered. So we need to make sure to understand what is truth in this. Um, but then you, you see some of the images that the Temple Institute has put out, and they seem to understand that four winged aspect of the cherubs. They've gone back to the original source, and, and those images are more accurate. Uh, so on the ark, there would have been these these four wings. Okay, so I think we made that point pretty clear. But in the temple, there were also cherubs that were over the ark of the covenant. Two huge cherubs, in fact. They stood 15 feet tall, and their wings had a 15-foot span as well. And we see that in Second Chronicles chapter 5 and 2 Kings 8. So the, these wings that are spread out, they had two wings that would cover their bodies but then the two wings that would spread out as they were in a posture of praise before God. So again, there's this reverential posture in which they're covering themselves before a holy and high God, and then two wings in which they would just they would go up all around the temple into worship of Him. And here they had to recreate these in the temple at 15 foot in height. 
Okay, so these aren't little at all, all right? So uh, cherubs are mentioned 20 times in Exodus chapter 10, verses 1 to 22. And what you find is that they're actually very similar in appearance to the four living creatures that we see in Ezekiel chapter 1 and Revelation 4, but there seems to be more than four of them. And their primary role is to be caretakers of the temple in heaven. So we see that seraphs that are the caretakers of the altar and the cherubs that seem to be caretakers of the temple. Hmm. Now, they're not just caring for the structure. They're caring for the one who's in it. Right. Right. They're worshipers to him. And we see that in Revelation chapter 11, verse 19. So this, this cherubs, they serve this purpose of magnifying the holiness and power of God. That's their main responsibility. They would sing God's praises, so they're singing to him, and and they're also creating this visible reminder of the majesty and the glory of God and his abiding presence with his people. Now, let me just deviate in the short time that we have here to, to clarify a very serious point here. Satan was not an angel, as we think of an angel. He was a cherub. He was one of these worshipers in God's presence. He wouldn't have had just two wings. He would have had the four. Right. Okay. So whenever you see an image of Satan, uh, there are sometimes I've seen some pretty close depictations there of what he possibly would have looked like. Uh, and we see that description even in Ezekiel 28, 12 to 15. In, in his previous state as a worshiper before God, he was rather brilliant, mm-hmm. beautiful, gorgeous in how he he shone brightly. In fact, his name means the day star. Okay, so he shone brightly as he glorified God in that particular design. Uh, it, it, he was part of the inner circle of God from Isaiah 14, 12 to 21 and Ezekiel 28, 11 to 19. Very similar to the Judas, right? The 12, right? right? So he betrayed the Lord and it hurt, I believe, just as much as when Judas betray the Lord. And that's what Satan ultimately wants is for us not only to turn our back on God, to betray him, to wound God's heart. Right. That's the, the wickedness that's in him. So uh, he betrays God. God throws him out like a bolt of lightning, as we see in Revelation chapter 12 and Luke 10. And now it says that he masquerades like an angel of light in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. but he's called the abomination, the dragon, the serpent of Revelation 20, verse 2, and he's nothing more than a murderer with deceit in his heart, and all he does is speak lies, according to John 8, 44. So if Satan had the appearance of a cherub, think about this, the cherubs had four faces, four wings, arms like a man, feet like an ox, and you see some of the ancient worship of pagan false gods, you would find it very interesting to see that in Egypt, Anubis, Ra, Isis, just to name a few, had very similar imagery as that. So if they're worshiping the same spirit of Satan, ultimately, and we see that Baal and and all of it's Satan, Zeus was Baal, and we we even see Allah comes from the root word of Baal. It all comes from Satan. It's all the worship of Satan. And that imagery of this day star, who their false god Ra was called the sun god, right? It, It all pointed to this false god worship, ultimately false god worship of Satan himself. And we even see with Sennacherib, the the king of the north in Assyria, who would come down around 700 BC to try to strike at Jerusalem and its people. King Hezekiah prays. One angel goes out and slaughters 185,000 men. Sennacherib retreats. He goes back to Assyria. What did his name name mean? It means increaser of sin, sin god, fallen god, or fallen cherub. That was what his name meant. Okay, so 
for generation after generation, this battle has been going on. Satan's been the one leading the way as the cherub who betrayed the heart of God, who was part of the inner circle of worship unto God. We'll get more into it next week. We're already out of time. Right. <laughs> and, and I feel like I'm just getting started on this. The 25 minutes goes by so quickly. But I hope that as you have listened, and Dr. Ford, thank you for your always insightful questions as we've tried to examine this tough subject and exciting subject. Definitely. Uh, but for you who are listening right now, we want to encourage you, go back and listen to it again. Share it with your friends and family. Go to calvaryfountain.com, listen to this time and time again, and, and, and go deeper with us as we study God's Word at Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. Services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m., and I just want to make one quick announcement to you. We are starting a very special class at Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley called Way of the Master. Now, you may have seen this on a few television programs with Ray Comfort and Kirk Cameron. We're going to have several special guests coming in and joining us. It begins on June 6th at 5.30 p.m., we have our teens meeting, we've got children meeting, and right there in our sanctuary, we're gonna have all the adults meeting to learn the way of the master. 5.30 p.m. starting June 6th, Sunday nights. We hope that you can join us. God bless you, my friends. Take care.